Welcome once again. This is Becca and Millhaven. Just saying, I am Tom Becca. Hi, and I am McGraw Millhaven. That's it. Well, I don't even know you anymore. You you always used to come up with some stupid thing to say, and then when I called you on the stupid thing to say, now you're just shutting up. Oh, I don't, I don't want you to criticize me. <laughs> we <dinner>. just met. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so are, are you TikToking by any chance? Are you TikToking? Uh, not currently, no. Well, not currently, but I mean, do you TikTok? Is that is, is that what the kids are calling it today? That's what the kids TikTok? are calling it today. Yeah. Uh, no, I am not TikToking. You know, the College World Series is coming here to Omaha, so they want me to do TikToks during the College World Series. Now, explain for those of us in the audience what TikTok actually is. I don't know. That's why I'm asking you if you do it. It's like little videos that I'm supposed to be like doing funny stuff. I guess like like uh, one of the kids in the in the newsroom told me that, hey, you should not be dancing to the College World Series. Like I should be dancing and doing stupid stuff, you know, just you know, little, like little 10 or 15 second increments. Do the floss at the, um, at the college world series. That'd be awesome. Do, do what? Oh, the, do floss? the floss, the dance, the floss. <laughs> you go uh, viral, baby. You go viral. Yeah. I'm not sure what to go viral. Me doing the floss. Uh, uh, by the way, the man, I'll tell you, uh, for those of you that aren't in Omaha, uh, come to Omaha for the college world series. It is a great time to be here. Uh, they've really, McGraw, it's been like, what, 20-some-odd years since you've been out for a game here, right? I was at the College World Series when it was the College World Series. You know, Before it co- sold out and went corporate. Well, you're right. It is corporate. I mean, that's that's my only gripe about this, is that, you know, back in the day, when it was at Rosenblatt Stadium, it really was an Omaha event. And, I mean, I remember walking up to the press box with you, and we just look at all the people coming in, and we'd be amazed at how much the College World Series had grown over the years. Uh, you know, and now the thing, you know, it sells out, uh, people come in from all over the country, all over the world, uh, to, to, to be at this thing, but it, it's a corporate thing, you know, whereas, whereas you and I back in the old days of Rosenblatt, you know, pretty much would have, uh, you know, just running the place. I remember sitting behind home plate with a couple of major league scouts and just talking to them. That sort of thing doesn't happen so much, uh, anymore. Uh, now that it's gone, you know, big time, but it's still, uh, but it's still a great still, time. Can I still get Zestos or no? Uh, there is a Zest, there is a Zestos across the street, but it's a new modern Zestos. It's not the old rundown one on Rosenblatt. But yeah, there's a Zestos across the street. Yes, um, you know. So which is, um, but is Zestos more like a restaurant there now? I guess I've never been to that Zestos. Um, by the way, I don't know Zestos is an ice cream place that was uh, made. It was ice cream and fried chicken, wasn't it? Yeah, made famous uh, by ESPN back in the day. Because, I mean, again, again, even ESPN has sort of lost some of its fun with Omaha. Because, and again, I hate doing this because then you just sound like some old guy bitching about how it used to be, you know? You should do this on TikTok. Man, that's me. I'll just be, I'll just be the old guy at the ballpark, you know, talking about uh, what, uh, what it used to be like. And you kids get off my lawn. Anyway, but anyway. Well, hold on a second. What about... Um... Uh, what was the bar on uh, Pacific? Oh, it was on Leavenworth. That was Polly's. Polly's, yeah. What that was Polly's is long gone, right? Oh, Polly's has been torn down. It's torn down now. That's all part of Nebraska medicine. Hmm. That's all part of Nebraska medicine, yeah. Which is Nebraska medicine has just taken over the city. Um, you know, they're just adding buildings left. Nebraska and right. medicine. What was that? Uh, UNMC. Uh, you know, it's the big uh, university hospital. 
Yeah. Right. They, they, well, see, man, it's been so long since you lived here. You, you wouldn't even recognize this place anymore. I don't recognize you. Yeah. Well, doing TikTok videos. I'm doing TikTok because, you know, I'm a man of the people. The kids dig me. The kids dig me. That's why. But uh, so, so what are you going to do? Are you going to do this TikTok? I was putting one together as we started the, before before we started this podcast. So I'm, I'm playing with the technology now to see what I can and cannot do. So we'll see. Well, good luck to you. Yeah, thank you. So what's new with you? Um, what is, I got my sisters coming into town. <laughs> so I should be cleaning. You know, here's the thing. You, you understand, and I know you know this. Because you lived in St. Louis for like 20 years before your child was born. That is, yes. Your sisters never came to visit you during those that, 20 years. That is, it is strikingly uh, odd that they only really started coming to St. Louis uh, 18 months ago when Emerson was born. Yeah. Yeah. So do you get the feeling that they don't really like you, but they like the kid? <laughs> you mean like you mean like when we meet them at the airport and they push me aside and grab the kid? You mean yeah. you mean I should I should take a hint? Yeah. Do, do they bring you any presents? No. They spoil Emerson rotten. I know. They ask, you know, can I see a video? I'm like, oh, do you want to see Tom's TikTok video? No, I want to see a picture <laughs> of Emerson. <laughs> How do your um, sisters hate me too? Anyway, well, good. Um, what are they coming to town for? Um, Father's Day. <laughs> I guess I yeah makes sense. Father's Day is Sunday, and I don't know why. You know they, I, you know it was one of these things where I think I'm going to go see McGraw, and the other one was like, "Well, you're not going to go see the baby without me." Well, you're not going to see the baby without you're not getting time without me. So. I, I think they're all trying to they're all trying to cock block each, each other with with my daughter, if that makes any sense. For people that don't know, McGraw was uh, the only uh, only male, the only boy, actually the only male in the family. And you had like, what, 32, 33 sisters, uh, something like that. And you were the but you were the only man in the house because, you know, your father wasn't around. And uh, and so, yeah, so like you're the guy. You know, when um, when they made the tender bar. And I was talking to our mutual friend, James. Um, and we were lamenting the fact that George Clooney turned my male character into a woman. Jimmy said, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, they turned me into a woman. He's like, well, at least they got that part right. Yeah, well, yes, you, you, are, a, you are a metrosexual. Can I... Um, can I pause? Well, first of all, last week, we really, really messed up by not um, pausing and acknowledging and dedicating last week's podcast to the world-famous legendary broadcaster, Jack Payne, who, who passed away. Yes. Um, speaking of the College World Series, right? Uh, how old was he? 99 years old? 99 years old. What a nice man he was. What a very, I mean, I, when you first met him, when I, when I first met him, I was completely intimidated by him. Um, but what a nice gentleman, right? They just don't make him like that anymore. Passed away. What a, what a, what a giant in the industry. Jack Payne was truly one of the greats. You know, one of the, one of the most decent people you're ever going to meet. He, uh, he was the voice of the College World Series for years. But, I mean, he, he helped grow the College World Series. As a matter of fact, today, Today they had uh, was big media day for the College World Series, right? And before they started with anything with the College World Series, before they started with anything, they took a moment of silence to recognize Jack Payne. 
Is that you right? Know, because because yeah. he is so much. The, the broadcast the broadcast booth, the announcer's booth there at the stadium now is named after him. Uh, yeah, the guy was just, you're right. We uh, uh, need to pay our respects to the Bankers. He was truly uh, a truly legendary character. Didn't he do sort of like, I mean, back before it was all sort of corporate and it was, you know, sort of Omaha's little, you know, production. Um, wasn't there like, didn't he do kind of like the David Letterman before David Letterman, w- when there was a foul ball, he would say heads up, right? And the foul ball, wouldn't he sort of do that sort of? Oh, yeah, all sorts thing? of folksy little things. Yeah. Um, you know, he would, uh, between innings, hey, take this time right now. And why don't you just look at your neighbor, shake their hand, introduce yourself, you know, yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah, it was all, all sorts of, hey, neighbor, you know, welcome to the game. It was what baseball, you know, just the, the, the romance of baseball. You know, the romance of baseball. Speaking of which, ooh, and I love stories like this. So on my Facebook page, I just put down, you know, tell me about your best College World Series memories, right? And a friend of mine put down, she said, years ago at Rosenblatt, which was the old stadium, at Rosenblatt, there was like an 80-year-old man who after the game was having a tough time standing, having a tough time standing. He was like, just seemed like out of breath and just and everything. So she went and she helped the man get into a seat, right? Get into a seat. And he looked at her and like with tears in his eyes, he said, I fought in World War II. I came home. I worked hard so my family wouldn't have to suffer. That was my grandson that just pitched in the College World Series. Oh, wow. I never dreamt that big. You know, I mean, it was like, oh, it was like, oh, how what a story yeah what a story i mean that that that's where the college world series is i mean it's it has become too corporate and the few things that really bug me about it this year uh is that you'll recall the players would always do autograph sessions yeah and and kids would line up and get every player's autograph yeah. and and look let's face it most of those players were never going to make the bigs but every now and then Every now and then you would get like a Dave Winfield autograph or a Jack Morris autograph or somebody, you know, that that really w- want to make it a name for themselves that had played in the College World Series. They're not doing autographs anymore. How come? Name, image, likeness. Oh. Yeah. Now, I don't I don't I don't disagree with players getting compensated for what they're doing. But at the same time, <sighs> Wait, is it the players who are saying they're not going to do it, or is it the, I think the entities the, are saying we want to we want to maintain the rights to their name, image, and likeness? I don't know what all of it is. I think they just haven't figured the whole thing out yet. I don't think they've figured out how to do this, and they're just trying to avoid any legal hassles, so they're not doing it. No, I don't know. That sounds like a cop out. Well, it probably is a bit of a cop out, but you know, hey, you got some stud pitcher, you know. Might be able to sell his autograph and make a few bucks. I have yeah. a lot of I have a lot of great memories of the College World Series. Do yeah. you have your favorite? My favorite memory of the College World Series? Yeah, it was the first year you stopped going along. Um, no, I don't. My, my favorite. God, I don't. I I think my favorite memory is just watching how the series has grown over the years. I also one of my favorite memories was living. I was living in Colorado. It was right about the time that ESPN started. Um, yeah, broadcasting the games, and I was in a bar in Colorado, just watching the game, and just so proud. It was like, yeah, that's my hometown. That 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 you know, I should be there. That's that's yeah. you know, that's that's what's going yeah, on. Yeah, there's, there's no question. Proud. 
when ESPN started airing the College World Series, I mean, that took it to a whole new level, right? That's a classic example of ESPN needed programming and yeah. nobody and nobody was broadcasting the College World Series. So they said, hey, let's just put this on. And they sort of, you know, they, they showed for once the charm of Rosenblatt and the charm of the Midwest and all that type of stuff. And because I remember being in high school even. So we're talking, you know, 82, 83, when they started airing and you were like, whoa, College World Series, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, but my, one of my cherished memories of the College World Series, as you may or may not know, I played college baseball. Yeah, you've told me a time or two. And um, so I was uh, working at uh, KFAB and I was doing a nighttime show. And uh, like I spent like the, all week there uh, covering the games. And then uh, I would call back to Gary Settlemeyer, who was doing the afternoons, and he would call, you know, check in and, you know, give an, an update on the game, right? So he'd call me four times during his show, and I'd do a, you know, two minute report on who's up, who's winning, and so on and so forth. So I'm there. And, and then I run back to the station and then do the nighttime show. So I was there and I was behind home plate and um, I saw a scout and uh, the scout turned out to be from the New York Mets. And we struck up a conversation and he couldn't have been any nicer. And um, he says to me, uh, you know, we then finally introduce ourselves. And he says, wait, McGraw Billhaven? And I was thinking to myself, oh my goodness. This Major League Baseball scout remembers me from my time playing. And oh my goodness, the Mets scout knew my name. Oh, this is the greatest thing in the world. And I said, yes, yes, it is. Nice to meet you. He says, I listen to your show every night. And I said, have I ever told you this story? No, I love it. So I said, you listen to my show every night. Hold this man listens to my show, the Mets scout. Oh my, oh my, what, 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 what about my show do you love? <laughs> Thinking I'm Bob Costas. Uh-huh. And he says, I don't miss it. He says, I, as a scout in the Midwest, the weather is always so volatile. I always tune in at the top of the hour to hear the weather report so I know which game to go to. <laughs> Here you are thinking, oh, yeah, but I was scouted by the Mets scout. He knows that I played for Nebraska baseball. And boy, oh, now he's listening to me as the broadcaster. I'm a big deal. And it's like, yeah, what's the temperature going to be, McGraw? <laughs> he wanted it. He listened for, for the weather report. <laughs> I got a story like that. But I think I've told you this one. I was in college, right? I was, I was in college. I was working part-time at a radio station. Out of, out of 25 stations in town, this station was rated like number 32. I, I, nobody listened to it, right? But I was working like part-time nights and weekends. So even a station that nobody listened to, nobody's listening to the time that I'm on. I'm in college. I'm at a cocktail party. And I'm in a group, you know, a little, little conversational group. And it's like, oh, I'm Tom. And there's George and Susan and Bill and Ralph and whatever. And this very, very attractive woman walks into the group. And she introduces herself like, you know, like Betty Johnson, whatever her name was, right? She goes, you know, uh, so, oh, Betty Johnson, oh, Betty Johnson, I'm Tom Becca. She goes, Tom Becca? You're Tom Becca? And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, 
She knows who I am. I'm a star. I'm a big deal. I'm going to get lucky tonight. Yeah. Just, do you have a sister named Joan? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It just, oh, it was like, ego was deflated like that. So whenever I get, whenever I get too full of myself with this job, sometimes, you know, I just keep reminding myself of that story. Yeah. I got a, I got a sister named Joan. And uh, McGraw's a big deal because he gives a weather forecast. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's talk about something like some substance here. Uh, last week, we they hadn't started the January 6th hearings yet. Uh, been a couple of sessions. What do you think? Well, to put a unique spin on it, uh, one in which hasn't been hasn't been portrayed by these 75,000 talking heads. Here's what I don't understand about the, the January 6th committee hearings. You have a Republican, Liz Cheney, interviewing or laying out the case that a Republican, Donald Trump, is derelict in his duties for a number of ways. Mm-hmm. She's interviewed his hand-chosen Republican attorney general, uh, his daughter, his his son-in-law, his hand-picked campaign manager, and a number of hand-picked Republicans within his inner circle all say he's crooked, he lied, he knew better, and this was so outrageous that I left. And I get on the radio, and the callers call up, and they complain about it being a liberal media witch hunt. I... I the Democrats are nowhere and there's no, and then they, and then these people somehow think the liberals are behind this. This is a Republican civil war that you're watching play out right before your eyes. We know that Kevin McCarthy thinks he's a fraud. We know that everybody, we know that Sean Hannity thinks he's a fraud. We know that Bill Barr thinks he's a fraud. We know that Every single Republican in any, we know uh, Paul Ryan knows he's a fraud. And yet somehow it's the Democrats' fault or the media's fault. Here's what bothers me the most about that. All those Republicans you just mentioned that aren't, you know, taking control, that aren't speaking out against, I mean, it, 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 it just blows my mind. I got into an argument with our uh, our uh, congressman here, uh, Don Bacon, who, by the way, I respect. I like Don Bacon. I, I think Don Bacon is a good, decent guy. He was on uh, Meet the Press on Sunday. Yeah, he was. And actually, he said he would not vote for Trump. He said, you know, the Trump, you know, was, was, was bad and not good for the party. But at the same time, so right before the hearing started Thursday, he put out a tweet where he was condemning Joe Biden for not uh, getting the uh, legislation passed on protecting the Supreme Court justices. Yeah. And I just said to him, I said, you know, were you, were you that upset? Were you that upset about, uh, you know, protecting, how about protecting Congress? You know, I mean, the, the hearings are starting in an hour, you know, right. and this is like, it was, to me, it was a deflection of what was really going to be going on. He was trying to deflect. So after the hearings, I, I go and I say, you know, I asked him, I said, do you support, uh, do you support Liz Cheney? Do you support, which should be a simple yes answer. Yeah. Do you support Liz Cheney? And he won't answer. (laughs) 
you won't say that he supports Liz Cheney. You know, they're leaving this poor woman. The Republican Party is leaving this poor woman out, to, just leaving her out to hang out to dry. You know, and it's like she's she's she is a profile in courage. She is what Congress should be. And they're just leaving her to hang out there to dry. So I have a theory about Liz Cheney. By the way, the guy, the Bill Stepien, his campaign manager, who's like, we told him he wasn't going to win. We told him he's we told him to forget about it. He's now running the the person who's running against Liz Cheney in Wyoming. He's running her campaign. So, right. I mean, he's he goes in front of the world and says Trump's an idiot. And he's running the person who's against who's running against Liz Cheney's campaign. But here's my theory on Liz Cheney. Um, Liz Cheney may or may not win her congressional seat. But in 2024, Liz Cheney is going to run for president of the United States and she will run as an independent. And right now, the way these hearings are going, 75 percent of the Democratic Party is going to vote for Liz Cheney. She's going to split the a Republican vote, and Liz Cheney could be the first female president of the United States. You know, I hadn't thought of it in those terms, but I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. Matter of fact, uh, after Thursday night, after the hearing, <laughs> I posted up there, I said, Liz Cheney for president. And I got a number of people that said, I'm a diehard Democrat, but I agree with you. See? But I also, but I also got a few liberals that, you know, it's like, uh, no way, no way. And it's like, okay, first of all, I was being hyperbolic, okay? Right. <laughs> I was just showing my support for what the great job I thought she was doing during these hearings. Yeah. So I'm showing my support. But, you know, so it wasn't like I was going to go out and vote for her that day, you know? But anyway, but some of the, some of the Democrats, some of the far liberals and I were just uh, outraged that I would even say that. Well, and, I mean, it's, I mean, she's a neocon. She voted with Trump 93% of the time. She was kicked out and that... Um, uh, uh, Stefana came in who voted with Trump like 60% of the time and voted against his tax cuts. How was she more conservative than Liz Cheney? And how is the definition of whether or not you're a conservative if you believe Donald Trump or not? That's the, it, it's not, here, here's the, the thing that kills me about all this. Why do they, they ask him, why do they like Trump? Oh, he really sticks it to the other side. Oh, he, he really stands up for what I believe in. Oh, he, he's, you know, he's making me believe again, right? None of those things are policy. None of them. None of them. Right? It's not, it's no policy. There are other Republicans who vote or have policies exactly like Donald Trump and or more conservative than Donald Trump. So, I mean, it is the ultimate cult of personality. You don't like his policies. You just like that he owns, owns Democrats and it's the weirdest thing in the world. I, yeah, I, I, this would be the sort of thing we would look at in some other country and uh, make fun of them for, you know, be like, right. well, no, we're so much says, better than them. And we're not better than them. We are just like, you know, we're like any, every other, every other place. Yeah, no, it's, it's so, it's so bizarre, but they keep yelling at Democrats and Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's got nothing to do with these January 6th hearings. They're all Republicans, every single one of them. And, Somehow it's the, the Democrats' fault. It's a, I don't know, it's a brilliant strategy, but it does, just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it's, um, oh, geez, there we go. 
Um, it, it's other, a, huh? well, one more, one, one more thing, and then I'll shut up. Right. The other thing is, is that I, I, I think people have a hard time putting in their minds, Donald Trump lost the election, right? I voted for Donald Trump. Donald Trump lost the election. Uh, but you can still hate Joe Biden, right? <laughs> you know, just because you think Joe Biden won the election doesn't mean you have to like him. Yeah, it's it's sort of they they can't put the two in their own head. He really lost the election. There's no evidence it was stolen, and I still don't like Joe Biden. Okay, that's fair enough. I I don't love Joe Biden. There are things I wish he would do differently. Whatever else, that's not the point. The point is the facts. And people would call up my show and say Donald Trump's not my president. Yes, he is. He didn't win the popular vote. That's not how they count the votes, right? So I would say Donald Trump's your president. It wasn't stolen. It wasn't rigged. That's the way the game's played. And they'd call me a right-wing wacko. So you just can't win. I mean, it's just people want to live in their own reality. Well, but here's the thing, though, too. And this is what I think is interesting. I mean, because of, you know, social media, talk radio, 24-hour news channels, we pay so much attention to these people. I mean, let's face it. A Marjorie Taylor Greene makes for much better copy than, uh, you know, than a Don Bacon, who, you know, is a really a pretty rational guy. Right. But Marjorie Taylor Green makes sure everybody gets more emotional about somebody like her. You know, people get more emotional about a Donald Trump than they would, uh, let's say, a Ben Sass, you know, or, uh, you know, I mean, you know, some other Republicans that are just trying to do a, do their job. But they say, you know, Trump is Trump is conservative. The deficit rose a trillion dollars a year under him. And this is before COVID. That's yeah. what's conservative about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I, whatever somebody says to me, you know, well, I don't really like his personality, but I really like his policies. <laughs> then I say, OK, so what did you like best? The trillion dollar a year deficit, uh, the way that he alienated our European allies, the way that he put taxes on Chinese goods. Which of his policies did you like the best? The fact that he hated Mexicans. Is that the one? I mean, what you know, what policy did you like? You know, it's, it's just it just I, I, I really th- I really think that there's a whole lot of Republicans secretly rooting for Liz Cheney. Right. Every single Republican who wants to run for president, they're all rooting for her on the sidelines. They can't say anything. But if he runs again, he takes up all all the oxygen and just aces them out. And they got to wait four more years. They want him gone because they all want to run for president. Here's the thing. Here's the thing is that, yeah, the Republicans may be secretly rooting for Liz Cheney. But that doesn't do her any good. That doesn't do the country any good. These people have got to speak up. You and I took a tour, and I the the Hitler analogies and that have been overused. But you and I took a tour of the uh, concentration camp outside of Prague. And you remember we're going there, and remember going to the museum beforehand. Where there's a museum that's maybe about a mile or so outside of uh, this concentration camp, and going to that museum, and the the uh, the tour guide there said that the people in town knew what was going on in this concentration camp, but nobody spoke up. Yeah. And it just amazed me. How could you not speak up if you know what's going on out there? But I'm seeing that now with, like, with these Republicans. No, but they're telling, they're saying to themselves, they're having a podcast saying the same exact thing. If we don't speak up, nobody will. And we need to tell the world that there was voter fraud. They think, they think you and I are crazy. I know. I know. And... Can I uh, can I change the subject again? I wish you would. I'm, I'm getting a headache thinking about all this crap. All right. I know we're getting ready for our high low. Yeah. Um, but we do, and we did do service to to Jack Payne. But that was last week's 
podcast. I would like to talk and dedicate today's podcast to a grave, grave injustice. And that is? And that was in 1977, on June 15th, 1977, the New York Mets inexplicably, without any reason or common sense, traded Tom Seaver to the Cincinnati Reds. The darkest day of my life still today. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for you. They traded, they traded Tom Seaver, could be one of the top three greatest pitchers of the 20th century to the Cincinnati Reds for Doug Flynn, Steve Hendu, Kendu Henderson, Dan Norman, and Pat Zachary. You and I played golf with Doug Flynn. I know. I didn't tell him I was upset when they traded for him. (laughs) (laughs) I was a big fan of Doug Flynn when we were playing golf with him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, Doug Flynn did okay, right? Actually, Actually, Doug Flynn, we played golf with Doug Flynn, and one of the nicest men you would ever want to meet. The nicest man you'd ever want to meet. What a what a gentleman. Um, what a just a just couldn't have been any nicer. That was all part of uh, the Bob Gibson golf tournament. Bob Gibson uh, lived in Omaha and he would bring in all these other players to uh, to play golf. And if one of these major league players was a bit of an asshole, a bit of a jerk, they weren't invited back. Yeah. George Brett played one year and was never invited back. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, if you, if you if you weren't signing autographs, if you weren't being nice to the people, um, you know, Sandy Koufax was a bit of, well, I wouldn't say a bit of a jerk. No, he wasn't. Not well, at all. He was just, he was just very, um, he, he was very cautious about who he was signing autographs. Yeah, but that's, I mean, everybody knows Sandy. That Sandy's that way. You, you just, you just don't know Sandy. But anyway, so anyway, but that was always, that was always fun. So anyway. I was so, joking. I don't really know him either. That was kind of a joke I was making. Yeah, fun. I know. I know. So anyway, okay. Anyway. So uh, yeah. So well, you know, people ask me, "What is this podcast about?" How would you How would you describe our podcast? Mm, you call me and say, "Where are you?" And I'm like, "I'm taking a nap. Give me five minutes, and I'll get set up." That's what the podcast is about. Yeah. And what were you eating? I didn't bust you on what you're eating. Uh, you're eating during the podcast today. What are you eating? I was eating Cheez-Its. Cheez-Its. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it, couldn't, it, couldn't, it couldn't wait a half hour until you were done with the podcast. Uh, this this podcast is about two friends making fun of each other, trying to make each each one laugh, and at the same time offer some uh, information and some perspective on what's going on in this crazy world of ours. Um, sure, that's okay. th- that's the official spin. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but basically, it's you and me just goofing on each other for it's a having half hour. fun, having fun with the podcast, and and hopefully the people, we, you know, you know, people are listening to this thing. Hey, you know what? You're stuck driving across country. What else are you going to listen to? Precisely. Yeah. Precisely. Or just at work. You're just at work, and it's like you know you're bored. You know, listen to this while you with your headphones while you're you know. Yeah. Do you, re- do you really want to work, or do you want to hear two people make fun of themselves the whole time? Yeah. So anyway, so okay. Now it's time for over under, over under, where we talk about the most overhyped news story of the week, and then the most underreported news story of the week. You go first. All right. Well, I mean, th- this is a great segment, but really, we always agree on the most overhyped, overhyped uh, story. Um, well, I, actually, I'll, I'll say the most overhyped story this week was the agreement 
to agree on a framework for some type of gun legislation. Um, the Republicans, a masterful stroke. They agreed to virtually nothing of what the Democrats wanted. Democrats just want to say they have a win. So they have the, the smallest of smallest of smallest compromises, right? Republicans get it cleared off the front page so they don't have to talk about it and can focus on the high gas prices and the inflation going through the roof. And the Democrats can claim victory. But the rule, the law is really not going to do anything to fix any of the mass shootings that are going on. Um, you're right. You're right. I, 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 the one thing I liked about it was at least show that they can come to some consensus on controversial issues. And, and I do think there's a few things there that at least will have some impact. You know, I think that uh, the, the more thorough background checks for 18 to 21 year olds wanting to buy, you know, the assault weapons, you know, I mean, look, I, I agree. I agree. There's not a lot of there there. I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. But at least at least there was something. And if that's a small baby step to get to the next level after the next mass shooting, you know. Uh, I, I would get into arguments with people about this. They said, well, you know, after 9-11, they uh, fortified the cockpit doors. You know, we just need to have stronger doors in the, uh, uh, you know, in, in the schools. To which I would say, yeah, they fortified the cockpit doors so the bad guys couldn't get a hold of the weapon, which was the airplane. They stopped. <laughs> they, that, that was how they stopped the bad guys from getting the weapon. Then they want to just change the topic and move on to something else. Yeah. I believe they call you a liberal and then move on. Yeah, no, no, a libtard. What's your uh, what's your overhyped story of the week? Uh, my overhyped story of the week is, is inflation. And I guess, and I don't know if it's really overhyped or if it's just a, that's what I'm focusing on so much, right? I mean, we know what it is. We know there's inflation. We know gas prices are high. Uh, we know that, you know, we're trying, you know, everybody's bitched about it. Uh the uh, so I don't know if it's like really overhyped that much or just that because it's what hits everybody, um, regardless of their politics, it affects everybody. Uh, that I just pay more attention to it, but I would say just all the talk about gas prices and inflation That'd be my overhyped. Yeah, story. well, that's that's your George Soros funded opinion trying to not talk about inflation, thinking it will won't hurt Joe Biden if we don't talk about it. If uh if I say, let's go, Brandon, will that make you feel better? <laughs> yes, yes, that would, yes. Uh, and throwing a Benghazi in there every once did, in a while. Did you, did you see uh, when uh, well, Biden was on Jimmy Kimmel's show? Uh, before, during the monologue, during the monologue, uh, Kimmel showed how before the, uh, before, uh, the interview, before as the audience came in, uh, they rounded up any members of the audience that were named Brandon and locked them up. <laughs> oh, I, I saw the highlights of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I saw the highlights uh, of that. Um, speaking of Benghazi, um, well, I, at least one of us was. <laughs> well, and this, you know, this is the this this January sixth committee hearing is a waste of time and it's not necessary and everything else. Do you know that Benghazi was interviewed by the State Department, two democratically controlled Senate committees, and six Republican controlled House committees? After the first five Republican investigators found no evidence of wrongdoing by senior Obama administration officials, Republicans in 2014 opened up a sixth investigation. The House Select Committee on Benghazi, chaired by Trey Gowdy, 
This investigation also failed to find any evidence of wrongdoing by officials. Um, and Kevin McCarthy was quoted as saying in 2015, I think we wounded Hillary Clinton by having all of these Benghazi hearings. Yeah. So, so seven or eight investigations on what happened to the, um, what happened to the, uh, uh, um, ambassador's house or the 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 uh, diplomatics mm -hmm. quarters in Benghazi and what none on the invasion of the capital. And here's if it, if it was Ben and anyway anyway uh, yeah no, you, yeah I know we're just I'm moving on. on. See you stuck down a rabbit hole. Yeah yeah I know and, and you're you're like me you're frustrated on this stuff. It seems to it's such a cut and dried thing, right? I, I am mean, I am going to I have two. Un uh, oh, all right. What's your underhype story of the week? I think my underhype story is what's going on up at Yellowstone. You know, all oh. this, all this weather up there. You know, I mean, you know, again, you talk about the politics of everything, right? And and that, and instead of not, like actually just trying to get to the truth about, you know, what happened to Benghazi, uh, it's all it was all about let's go after Hillary. You know, right? Um, we again, I, I mentioned Jimmy Kimmel earlier. Years ago, Jimmy Kimmel did a thing where he interviewed people and asked them uh, what they thought of Obamacare and they hated Obamacare. But then he said, what do you think of the Affordable Care Act? Right. And they liked the Affordable Care Act. We go and we personalize these things for political reasons. And I say that about Yellowstone because when Al Gore came out with an inconvenient truth, right? The conservatives, talk radio, right-wing media all went after Al Gore. And let's face it, Al Gore was not the most charismatic person you're ever going to meet, right? He was not the most charismatic. So he wasn't like all that loved that much. So when Al Gore was warning about the forest fires, the floods, the, uh, the droughts, and he was warning about all of this stuff that is happening, it was just dismissed because, oh, that's just Al Gore, you know? And I think that it is what is happening you know, like the, the floods up in Yellowstone, they, they've shut down this national park, you know, because of flooding and there's still more on the way. I, I just think that we've got to take a serious look at what is happening in the environment and take away the politics of it all. Okay, well, you know what? I, I, I'll save my, my other uh, unreported story for next week and I'll, I'll stay on this, this theme. Um, did you see... The story this week about the Great Salt Lake in Salt Lake City. Have you been to Salt Lake City? Have you been to Salt Lake City? Oh, yeah, I've been to Salt Lake City. And I've, I've driven across the, the Great Salt Lake, yeah. So I've been out there. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know about you and your experience in, in Salt Lake, but I, what a beautiful town. I mean, Incredible what an absolutely... beautiful city, yes. I mean, cr the air as crisp as could be, beautiful mountains, People couldn't have been any nicer. I mean, I was like, I'm ready to move to Utah tomorrow. It was so beautiful. But there was a story this week about the Great Salt Lake that it has shrunk by two-thirds. Yeah. Okay. Did you see this story? No. So it shrunk by two-thirds. And you think, oh, okay, well, it shrunk by two-thirds. However, because it shrunk by two-thirds, the shrimp... And the flies are going to die off. I didn't know there was shrimp in there, but there's shrimp in these flies that die off. Problem with that is there's so there's not enough water, so the shrimp and the and these flies dry off. That means the birds 
who migrate won't have anything to eat because the shrimp and the flies are gone. There's less water there so that the clouds that come over can't pick up the water and then dump them off in the mountains for the skiing. And because the lake is now two thirds empty, it is exposing magnesium, arsenic, and other minerals and or toxins that when the wind blows, it will pick up the arsenic and blow arsenic in the air to the neighboring towns. This is what's happening in the Great Salt Lake. And they're not saying it's gonna happen in 2050. They're saying it could happen this summer or next summer. Yeah. And Republicans, uh, Joel Ferry, a Republican state lawmaker said, we have a potential environmental nuclear bomb that's going to go off if we don't take some pretty dramatic action. And there are other Republican state officials saying the same thing. However, in neighboring towns in Salt Lake, they're still fining people who don't have green yards and demanding that they water their yards. It, 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 the story in the New York Times was unbelievable how the Great Salt Lake is going to be turned into a toxic dump. And I don't know, I, that should probably garner a little bit more attention than the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. I would agree with you on that. The other thing, is, is it Lake Mead, that, that, that's the Hoover Dam Lake, right? Yeah, that's the Hoover Dam one, yeah. And that also is drying up. And they're finding, like, you know, like gangsters. <laughs> yeah, dead bodies. Yeah, dead bodies at the bottom of the lake, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you should see these pictures, yeah. I mean, of what it was 20 years ago and what it is today. And I don't know. I, I mean, that's kind of a big deal that um, a, a, a lake in the United States of America is going to get to the point where it's going to become a, a nuclear waste dump. I mean, that's a, that's a really, really bad sign. No, no, I, I, look, I agree. I agree, and... Um... But, you know, hey, Al Gore. Yeah, Benghazi. Yeah, anyway. Uh, have yourself a great day, my friend. Be well. Uh, come on uh, come out to Oklahoma for the College World Series. I'd like to, but my sisters are coming out to visit me. Oh, that's right. No, they're not coming out to visit you. I think we established the fact they're not coming out to visit you. Oh, yeah, that's right. So we ended up where we started. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for the podcast. I have one more thing to say. Bye-bye. Adios, amigos. Huda Media Production.